0: Today I am talking about forgiving to live. I'm going to share a short testimony of mine. This is my first podcast. I um, usually broadcast on my blog, Talk Radio. But today I'm going to do a podcast I would like to share. And it's called um, Forgiving to Live. I want to share a short testimony because I mentor uh, and I coach as well um, women. And I found in a lot of my mentoring and coaching and ministering. I'm also an evangelist that women struggle in this area of forgiveness, but there is power in forgiveness. There is power. And I'm going to share my personal testimony of how I was able to be an overcomer and and victorious in forgiving and how it changed my life. I know a lot of people use the scripture that we have to forgive those who hurt us so that our heavenly father will forgive us. That's the true statement. But I want to share with you all how we can forgive others because we all need to be forgiven by God. We don't need to be a, make it a show. We don't need to go before God and and we can't hide anything from him anyway, but we tend to cover up and hide things from people. And we go throughout our days and throughout months and throughout years of harboring unforgiveness in our heart. And after a while, it's going to make us mean, bitter, angry, and we'll become from a child growing up to an adolescent to an adult. And we will be mean, bitter, and angry because we have chose to not deal with our issues and to not deal with the, um, the unforgiveness, which is like a cancer. It's a plague. It eats away at your mind, body, heart, soul, and spirit. But anyway, I'm going to share a short testimony of mine to to tell about the power of forgiveness. But I, um, when I was about maybe five or six years old, I, um, had a close relative that, um, used to, um push me down they would push me down and um get on top of me and he was a much bigger guy and like i said, say about 5 or 6 and maybe a little older but i'm thinking about 5 or 6 and um he would get on top of me and he would you know um uh, just have sex with me and i'm going to say this to keep it clean but he would go to he didn't go to the point of penetration. of of um of I would say breaking the hymen, that's how I'm gonna keep it. But he would go he would molest me and um throw me, like I say, he would throw me on the ground. And I grew and he would tell me if you tell anybody, they're not gonna believe you because all they say is that you lie. That's all you do is lie. So nobody's gonna believe you. So you better not tell nobody or I'm gonna hurt you. And so I remember laying there being frightened, that's that little girl. I grew up and he began to continue to do it probably till I was like maybe ten, nine or ten. That's when he maybe stopped because I was getting older and I, I began to fight him off me. I began to fight. I began to want to scream. So he left me alone around about that time, but the damage was done. So I went throughout my life and my father wasn't in my life. And, um, I remember growing up, seeing other little girls with their fathers, riding their bags and, and the fathers in the store with them. And my father wasn't in my life. So, It made me very, very envious of those other children that had fathers in their life. And my mother worked two or three jobs. She was a single parent. She worked two or three jobs. I had two other brothers at home with me. So she was never around. She was never there. She worked all the time. So my life, and and then like I said, my dad wasn't in my life. So I grew up being angry and bitter and hurt and wounded. And I was also physically and verbally abused by another close relative, so my I had a miserable life growing up. I hid it behind the smiles and behind the, you know, the put ups. But inside, I was so miserable. I remember as I got older, I used to I had started taking Tylenol PMs to try to sleep my pain away. So I would go in my um, go get me a big bottle of Tylenol PMs, and I started off just taking one. I would go and I was I was about grown because I remember um being in school doing it and then when I was at started working, I would go to work and then I would come home and I wouldn't even eat sometimes. I would just just take a shower and take the Tylenol PMs. I had gotten up to seven a night. Because I've never smoked marijuana, I've never done crack, I've never done those type of drugs, but this is, Tylenol PMs is a drug. That's what people fail to realize. Whether you can buy it over the counter or whether you can't, it's it's still considered a drug and it's addictive. So, I would get the Tylenol PMs. I had gotten up to seven and I felt like my life was so miserable because the person that, that, that verbally and physically abused me used to call me black. You're stupid. You're ignorant. You're ugly. You're not ever going to be anything in life. And I, and those words stuck with me. See, those are word curses. Parents, you have to be careful with what words you speak over your child or what words you allow others to speak over your children because those words do take root in your heart and they will alter the, um, your destiny in your life. It can cause you to have low self-esteem. That's what it did to me. I had very, very, very low self-esteem about myself. Others could tell me how pretty I was and how nice I looked, but I couldn't see that when I looked in the mirror, all I saw was black, ugly, and stupid. And it really, it really affected my life. So I tried to sleep the pain away. I had gotten up to seven a night and had it not been for The place where I got my um, Tylenol PMs from, which is a drugstore, the man knew my mom. So he called my mom because I actually, at that particular time, was charging them to my mother's account. I was paying the bill, but I was charging to her account. So he called my mom just to inform her that what I was doing, and it was dangerous. He said, I'm not calling because she don't pay on the account because she pays faithfully. He said, but my concern is she's getting like these big bottles, she's getting them like every week. He said, and that can't be healthy for her. So I want to just call and, and tell you so you could speak with her. And maybe she may need help. So my mom came in my room one night and I was like a zombie. I had taken like seven and I couldn't function. I couldn't hear. I couldn't do anything. And she said, Shonda, she said, give me those Tylenol PMs. She said, you, um, she told me that the, the pharmacist had called her and what he had told her. And I couldn't fight her off because I was just like a zombie. I couldn't move. I was just stuck. And she took the Tylenol PMs and she said, you don't need to get, take these no more. She said, why are you taking these? But see, people need to understand when you are a child growing up and you go to an adult and tell them that you was molested or raped by a family member and then they choose to shun you, they choose to tell you to be quiet and don't say nothing about it. They ch- they choose to tell you what stays in the family is in the family. They choose to tell you you're lying even though they know you're not, but they tend to shut shut you down. And this is what this is a generational curse because a lot of women I've mentored and talked with, they've even been molested by their own fathers and their own and their mothers didn't even believe them they would rather send that child off and and get that child out the home than that man what type of a parent and as a child I couldn't grasp that what type of a parent would let somebody molest their own child and act like it's nothing happened you going you make you being made to go to family reunions you being made to go to little family gatherings with the person that molested and raped you As a child, you can't process that. You're thinking, how is this? Who's going to protect me? Why is it that they choose to ignore me? And then you have to grow up. And then as you grow up and begin to talk to other people, you found, find out that it goes on in all of our families. It goes on and everybody just tells you to shut up and sit down as a little child. And you have to grow up with pain and hurt and bitterness and anger and frustration. And I was very hurt and frustrated, especially at my dad, because I couldn't understand how a man could just produce a child and walk away. I have a daughter. I've lost three babies, three sons, but I have one daughter that's living. And I I tell you, I love my daughter. I could not even imagine seeing her at a store and turning my head and not speaking to her. No, I can give my daughter, she's 15, so she's a teenager. She's getting out the little hug me, kiss me stage, but she, I've always, all her life, I've always been there for her. I've always been a listening ear for her. I've always told her every day, not just, I love you, but I show her, I spend time with her. I take mother daughter days and, and I talk with her and I want her to be able to talk with me regardless to how she think I feel about the situation, but she can, she knows that I have a mother that I can go and I can talk to and that she can understand, you know, listen to me. And, and, and if she don't quite understand, she can pray for me and She can give me some sound advice. She can be there for me. That's a blessing. And I couldn't understand how my father could just be there because the father is called to be the protector. He's, he's called to protect the, the wife and the children. That's why God is so against this out here uh, committing adultery, fornication, making seeds, laying your seeds. Men are just laying seeds everywhere, making babies everywhere, moving on as if it's just nothing, but nobody thinks about the damage. Nobody thinks about the pain and the hurt that is going to cause that child. Um, And so on and on with my life. So because of the person that verbally abused me, Uh, calling me black, stupid, ugly, and ignorant. I was never going to be nothing. I remember one day being in my room, I mean, being in the bathroom and I didn't lock the door. I had taken a SOS pad and I was in there And I had dipped it in. I had gotten it very hot with hot water. And I remember scrubbing my face, trying to get the blackness off, trying to get the darkness off. And skin was just dripping, just dripping, dripping in the sink. And I was crying because it was hurting so bad. But I just did not want to be dark skinned anymore. I wanted this color off my skin. And so my mom walked in the door because I didn't lock it. And she says, Shonda, what are you doing? I was crying. Blood was everywhere. I said, mama, I hate my skin. I said, why did you have to have me by such a, a a dark skin, man? I said, look at your skin. My mom was like a caramel color. She's very, very, she was a very beautiful lady. Very beautiful. And the older I get, I tend to look like, and I, I can see it. People have told me that all my life. I can see that now, but back then I couldn't see that. Um, And I said, why I couldn't look like you? Why I couldn't have caramel color skin? Why I couldn't be bright skinned? Why I couldn't, why, why did I have to be so dark? And I was crying and crying. And she grabbed my hand, blood everywhere. And she said, Shonda, she said, you are a beautiful dark skin. She said, your skin is beautiful. She said, give me that SOS. She snatched the SOS pad and I was just crying. The skin was, and so she came in and we started cleaning up the blood. She put some, um, some bandages and packages and stuff. She fixed me up, fixed my face. I had package, uh bandages on my face for a while, and because the meat had started to, it had started to show the white meat. And God bless my skin. My skin grew back like as if it's never, you know, ever happened. You know, it 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 grow back. I don't have problems with agony. I don't, I don't have that. Not. I, I thank God for that, you know. But as I went on and went on, it wasn't until I came to the Lord till I got, I got born again. And I remember sitting down and I remember crying and I was saying, God, I said, I know your word said that if I don't forgive those who have hurt me and trespass against me, that my heavenly father in heaven will not forgive me. I said, God, I want to forgive. I need you to forgive me. I need you to help me. Cause if you don't help me, I can't help myself. I said, God, help me please. And he uh, and I had a hatred toward men. I'm just gonna tell you, been in relationships, got you get your heart crushed, get lied to and beat down. I had a hatred toward men. Didn't want a woman, but I just didn't, definitely did not like men. And I think that's what happened to a lot of women a lot of time. And then we just try to overlook that. And you jump from relationship to relationship to relationship because you, you, you trying to find somebody that would just love you. Somebody that would just honor you. Somebody just treat you with some respect. You jump from relationship to relationship, but ladies, I want to tell you, you need healing. You need deliverance. You need to focus on you, get you whole, get you healed, get you delivered because you're searching for something in a man or human just like you that they can't give you. They can't get only God. God is love. If a man have God, he can love you like Christ loved the church. I'm going to get on to that testimony after a while because I am married to a wonderful man of God for 20 years. And I thank God for, for the Bible to see that found it the wife. So he found me. And I thank God for him found and finding me over 20 years ago. And, and I thank God for my husband. Anyway, back to me, so I said, I'm dealing with this unforgiveness, I'm dealing with this anger, this bitterness, this hatred. I'm just angry. I didn't, I started getting to the point to I didn't like myself now, that's bad. And so I cried out to God and I said, Lord, help me. And so the Holy Spirit had put it on my heart, He said, Begin to pray. Your enemies. Pray for those who have hurt you. Pray for those because I was like God. How can I forgive somebody that molested me as a child? I was a child. I was innocent. I didn't know anything about sex and about anything. And it 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 made me have a hatred towards sex. I thought sex was so nasty and just stinking and just. I did not like sex. But God made sex for married people. That He He made it to be enjoyable. And um, so He. So he began to deal with me and he said, you pray for those people. You call their names out in prayer. He said, and I'm going to, I'm going to take that angry and that bitterness and that hatred out of your heart. And I'm going to replace it with the love of me. I'm going to put love for them in Now You're going to see them as a soul. I began to see them that as a soul. And then he began to show me the scripture that says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So he began to show me that I chose you before the foundation of the world, before you were formed in your mother's womb. I had a, I got a call on your life. I chose you. And that's what the enemy saw. And the enemy come to kill, steal and destroy. So he wanted to use these people to destroy you. He wants to use these people to pull you down, to make you, to, to hurt you, to wound you so that you would never know who you were in me, so that you would never be able to walk in your full potential and walk in what I called you to walk in. You will be wounded, hurt, busted disgusted. He said, but you begin to call these names out and I'm going to replace that hatred and that, that bitterness and that anger. And I'm going to pl- replace it with love. So I began to call call their names out in prayer. And I began to ask the Lord, because see one thing ladies, you have to understand saying you forgive somebody is a totally different thing than actually doing it. Because how, you know, when you see them or somebody say something about them, it's just something gut feeling inside of you. Like, Oh, I just Ooh, they hurt me if I stay my, and you think maybe if I stay my distance from them or don't talk to them, it'll heal it. But that's not the truth. So I was honest with God. Cause I wanted to heal. I wanted to forgive them. I wanted to love them with the love of God. So I started looking at it as the way the scripture said, that was the enemy using them to destroy me. But what he didn't know, hallelujahs, he was building me up. He was making me the woman of God that I am today. So I began to call their names out and I began to say, Lord, save them. Lord, deliver them. Lord, heal them. And I began to, um, I began to notice that I had a love for them and I pray for them and of talking about them and of down in them and of um, wishing that something bad would happen to them for what they did to me. I started asking God to forgive me as well as to touch them, heal them and deliver them. And so I began to, that's, that was begin to be my prayer. And, um, I noticed throughout time after praying like that God gave me a love for them. See, ladies, it doesn't matter if they ever come back to you and say, I'm sorry how I treated you, how I hurt you. It doesn't matter if they ever come back to do that. You're doing this for you. You're releasing them. You have to choose not only to forgive them, but you're releasing them out of your spirit. You're releasing them out of your soul. And you're saying, I choose to live because I can't live with this bitterness, this anger, this hatred, this unforgiveness. And this person, the individual is gone on. Some of them are dead, but you have to choose to release them. Lord, I choose to release them, take them out. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to forgive them. I'm going to love them with the love of God. Save their souls, God, just like you did mine. Hallelujah. Because I ain't always treated people right. I ain't always said the wrong, right things. I ain't always done right by you, God. And you forgave me. Give me the grace and the mercy to show toward these people that you have shown toward me. And let me tell you something. God did that for me. When you are free, ladies, oh glory to God! It feels so good, and you can grow in your relationship with God, and you begin to see things from God's perspective, God's eyes. You don't you don't harbor unforgiveness. People can cuss you out, they can lounge you, they can try to pull your character down. You will pray for them, and you will want to see them saved. And you, I'm telling you, it's an unconditional love, and that's that's basically part partial of my testimony. I have so much other more that I can go in, but for time's sake, I'm going to save it for another segment, but I just wanted to share that. Because there are so many of you all out there that, that are harboring unforgiveness and it's stopping you from walking in your destiny and in your, in, in the power and your purpose that God has created you for. He wants to see you whole today. He wants to make you free. He wants to see you walk in your purpose and your destiny, not hide behind your makeup and your weed, but, but be, be feel good inside, be good out, look good outside and you can walk in power and authority and anointing that God has called you to walk in. And be the woman of God that God has called you to be. You'll be able to show love unconditionally. You, that bitterness, that anger, that unforgiveness, it will be gone and it will be replaced with God's love. God loves you today and he wants to see you free. He want to make you whole. You don't have to hold on to it. Today is your day. Father, in the name of Jesus, everybody under the sound of my voice, God, if they're dealing with this unforgiveness, father, God, let them know that the first step is to acknowledge that they want, that they are dealing with unforgiveness and that they want to be free and they can, they can come to you, God, and that you will forgive them and you will heal them and you will make them whole and you will give them that unconditional love to, to heal, the to heal and forgive. Thank you, Jesus. So. That's my first segment that I'm going to speak on today. Like I said, my name is LaShonda Williams. I'm a life coach slash mentor. Um, You can reach me for any questions or if you would like prayer or if you would like to a counseling session or anything that you would like. I'm here for you. You can reach me on on my uh, email address. LaShonda, L-A-S-H-A-N-D-A Williams, W-I-L-L-I ams907 at gmail.com. What we talk about is confidential. It will go no further than, and I know you may have been told that many times, but I'm telling you what you say will stay between me, you and God. That's it. And I will pray for you. I'm not like other, I may be a little different from other coaches or mentors. I pray for my, um, for my clients, I pray for them. I go through the storm with you. I don't just put you out here on a limb. I work with you. I, um, and I'm here for you anytime you may need help because I want to see women healed, delivered and made whole because I know what God did for me and still yet doing. And I know he can do the same for you. He has no respect of persons. And, um, I pray that something that I said today on this podcast, be a blessing to you. Uh, I love you all. God loves you. And you all be blessed. And thank you for listening. Hello, my name is LaShonda Williams. For those of you all who aren't familiar with me, I'm a life slash mentor coach. I um, help women build their self-esteem. I also am a family and um, relationship coach as well. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about dating versus courting because in the society and the world we live in today, I don't think people understand what dating is or what courting is, but I'm going to just give a few pointers to just to kind of help you um with some issues that we as women may face or deal with in our relationships that if we see these red flags or if we have these things going on inside of us, then we need to deal with it. And we need to, uh, get back to, um, building up our self esteem ladies that we don't just settle for anybody or just anything, but that we have morals about ourselves. We have respect and we have honor and we don't allow, um, uh, nobody to treat us with any less dignity or respect. Um, dating versus courting. Many people begin relationships by infatuation. You may say, well, what is infatuation? And, and I've been there, done that. So I know it's something that all of us ladies can relate to. But infatuation is being observed with an extreme passion for someone or something, especially in a way that makes you foolish Or unreasonable about it. Now that was Webster's definition. LaShonda's definition. I'm going to put it in terms where we can understand it, ladies. It's when you look at somebody and you like them or crush on them or, or you think they fine or you think they're so nice or they're so sweet. They say all the right things. And so we become infatuated with them because we live in La La Land and we live in, in, in a, a fantasy world because regardless to what that individual do or don't do, or we can see red flags pop all up because we are so infatuated, we are so in, absorbed with the passion and the basically it's lust. Lust is not love, ladies. I don't care how fine a guy is. I don't care how good he smell. If he, if he's a man that the the word of God says that a man is to love his wife, like Christ loved the church, you have to understand that if a man don't love God, he can't properly love you the way Christ loved the church because God has to be his head. So infatuation puts you in la la land and you, you forget about, well, I'm not caring about his relationship with God. I'm not caring about if he if he's a man that works and provides and stable and that'll love, honor me, and respect me, I'm not caring about none of that. He said the right things. And and let me tell you something, ladies, when you're infatuated with a guy, he can he can he can say whatever he wanna say. He can do whatever he wants to do. It's a stronghold on you that you are so infatuated with him you can't see past the red flags. I've been there done that. Okay. Infatuation is a short-lived extreme attraction to someone. And when we are, when we're talking about today, dating versus courting. See, back in the old, old, old olden days, men will court women. And what that means is they would, they would go to, if they were interested in a young lady, they would go to her father and, and they would talk to her father and he would, and he would give them permission to court their daughter. And what courting is is when you when you're talking to each other, you're talking about dreams, you're talking about goals. You're getting to know each other. You're getting to know uh each other. You're you're not putting up a front. You're being real, you're being open and 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 transparent. You're just not being so sheltered and shut in. I don't want them to know this about me. I don't want them to know that. No, you're courting. So, if this is the courting is going to lead somewhere. It's going to lead toward marriage. So we're talking about courting now. And I know in the day and time we live in now that there are a lot of women out there who don't, who like myself, you don't have, you didn't have a father figure in your life. You didn't, your, your dad was not there to be the protector or to be there to teach his daughter or to show his daughter what a real man of God, how a man of God is supposed to honor her, respect her, and love her. For many of us, we didn't have that father figure. So we went out there and we were infatuated and we we went off of lust and we went off of, of hurt because we had that emptiness in our heart that our father should have filled and God should have filled. But we went and we looked for it in a man. And so we were infatuated. We were in lust. We were living in la la land. It wasn't, it wasn't love. It wasn't that agape love, that, un, that, that unselfish, that unselfish love. People now are very selfish, but courting. So we didn't really go through courtship. We went through what we call dating. And now I'm going to go here with dating. Dating is like, and I like to pull, I'm going to pull this passage from one of my husband's books. He talked about Baskin Robbins, how a Baskin Robbins ice cream, you want all the flavors. You don't want to just get one flavor and stick with it, but you want to try all the flavors. So in dating, that's how I relate that to today's society, what people call dating. And dating can be very, very, very serious, ladies. It can be very, very, um dangerous. And the reason I say this is because you do not have to have sex with someone to get a soul tie with them. You you can get a soul tie with someone just that, uh, that just a connection and you can get a connection with someone just by transference of spirits or being in their presence or being in their company. Or if you give, you open yourself up and you give them your, your heart and you share everything with them because you feel like this is the guy or this is the, you know, the guy I'm going to be with. This is the guy I've, I love. This is the guy I'm going to marry someday. So when you're in, if you're dating versus court and dating is This guy comes with the right, with the wrong potentials and he comes with, okay, I'm going to, let's just be quote, quote, friends with benefits. That's just nothing, but let's just have some sex. I don't want to make a commitment. I don't want to make a vow. I want to give you sex demons and soul ties, but I don't want to, I don't want to make a commitment to you. I don't want to make you my wife. I don't want to give you my last name. So I'll just, um and they call that dating, but that's not dating because they want to, they want to have sex with you. Then they don't want to make a commitment. Then they want to go down the road. They want to have a sex with your neighbor. Then they want to go across the street. They want to have sex with your cousins. They want to have, and it's just, that's not dating. That is not dating at all. That's fornication. Let's, let's set that straight right now. But when you start to date these different guys saying, well, I don't know quite sure what I, what I want. The Bible says he that founded the wife. So you just have to sit back, ladies. Get your heart prepared with God. Get your life right with God. Let God purge you. Let God cleanse you. Let God Prepare you for a husband, and you don't have to look for a husband. he's going to find you the Bible says he that findeth the wife, not she that chases him down, but he that findeth the wife findeth a good thing, but I found out through by coaching so many different women and they've been we've been in drenched in so many different relationships and and sex ships I call them sexual ships because that's all being that's all being given it's just sex 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 lust 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 selfishness i take i take there's no there's no commitment there's no real love there's no honor there's no respect there's no we don't have we don't have we don't communicate we don't talk it's just sexual ships so good night sexual ships. So that's what a lot of time, and it gets your heart, mind, soul, and body, and that's how you get a soul tie. And, and, and once, if you keep dating all of these going from person to person to person until you think you're trying to search and find out which one you want, then you've, you've went and you've gotten sold so many soul ties and your heart is knitted over here. Your heart is knitted to somebody over there. And it's just so many different spirits and so many different demons that come into you. And it just make you all crazy And anyway, but we're going to get back to this, um, to the infatuation. So the, the dating. So that's what a lot of guys like to do there. There's that's not dating. That's just fornication. And, um, it says here, example, a junior high crush. Oh, he looks so good girl. He looks so fine. Half the time they don't even know you ex- exist. And then that if you, they did know you exist, they wouldn't care, but you're so infatuated about them. You just think they so fine. You just think they're God's gift to this earth, man, been there, done that. We've all been there ladies and done that, but, but it's called infatuation. We call it a crush, but it's really an infatuation. And, um, We, we forget about the red flags. We don't, we, we don't care about any of that. He can be mean. He can be cruel. He can be, he can be a mass murderer. We would look past that because why? We're so infatuated with him. He could, he could, he could whisper all the sweet things we want to hear. But then we look over and the same thing he's telling you, he's telling Judy, he's telling May May, he's telling all the different girls this. And we know this because he's the most popular guy or he's a popular man or whatever. And we just are so infatuated with him. We don't care how many other women he's having sex with. We don't care how many other girls he tell the same thing to. We just feel like I'm just his all and all and I'm infatuated with it. So that's dangerous. That can be a dangerous thing when you put yourself out there like that. Uh, and I like the courting. And I said, Lord, we need to get back to that. Our young ladies, the Bible says the older women are to train, train the younger women how to love their husbands and how to love their children. Now, he didn't say love your boot things, love your boyfriends, love your sexual ships. He said how to love your husbands. So. When you are courting, that's what you're getting to know. You're talking to each other. You're, you're getting to know, well, what do they like? What do, what, what, what excites you? You know, what do you like to do? What are your goals in life? What dreams do you have? You know, I have dreams. I have goals. But now most guys, they see a, 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 a young lady. They don't care. All they see is a, 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 a nice behind, nice breast, nice bod, you know, pretty face. And they could care less if she have dreams, if she can have goals. And then they don't even think about marriage. I mean, can you cook? Can you do your wash clothes? Is your house clean? Do you clean up? Do you do other things other than get your nails and your weave did? I mean, can you, can you cook some cornbread? I mean, can you do something around the house? You know, no, but, and, and do you have goals? Do, and, and she don't look at him and do you have goals? You know, you're going to, if you're going to be my husband, you know, do you like to work? Do you stay on steady jobs or do you hop from job to job? And we could, you know, or, 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 or do you love God should be number one. And if you love God, then you'll know how to love me. You know how to honor me. You know how to respect me. These are things, these are, we need to get to know questions and we need to question and we need to talk with them, conversate with them. Cause then what'll happen is you'll start having sex with them. Then you will move in together. Now he hasn't made a commitment. You will be out fighting other females over this guy that you fighting over him, but he doesn't belong to you. You, you, you're living in la la land. You're not his wife. I don't care what common law says the Bible calls it fornication. there was not a commitment and there was not a vow made, so he's not your husband so um you're just both fornicating don't want you don't want to do that ladies I'm gonna tell you it takes a a long time I'm telling you it 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 takes time to get healed delivered and and free. I know been there done that from lust. Or from putting your heart out there so many times and getting it crushed, you you don't. I I tell young women all the time, I'm telling you the truth because I don't want to see you go there. If I can help you from not making the same mistakes and the same uh, go down the same paths that I went down. To cause me years of of hurt, years of pain, and 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 years of having to be purged, delivered and healed. So, if I can help anybody, that's what my goal is. So, it's um, symptoms of infatuation are number one. You see and expect perfection. So, when you are courting, when you when you, when when you when a guy when you and a guy are courting. You're talking, you're asking questions, you're, you're sharing things together, goals, dreams, and, and you see this is going to lead toward a relationship and then marriage. So you begin to, to talk and communicate and share things. Now you have to understand as well when, even though you do all of these things and then you get married one day, you have to understand that you married an imperfect person. That person is still human, just like you are. They're going to do some things that maybe you feel like, well, if I'd have known that, you know, I wouldn't have married you, you know, but you got to understand there has to be room for them to grow. There has to be room for you to grow. So when you, when you marry somebody off of infatuation and living in la la land, and then you take a vow with them. See, we have to take our vows and our uh, commitments serious. Like God takes his vows, covenants, and commitments serious. I don't think if we thought about it before, if we thought about how serious marriage was, we would really second guess before we jump into a marriage because we're taking vows before God. We are, the Bible tells in Ecclesiastes, it's better not to make a vow than to make one and break it. Now I'm talking about for our part. I'm not talking about for the next person part. I mean, I understand divorce happened, things happen, but what I'm saying is, when you go into this marriage or this relationship, go in here with your eyes wide open. Go in here, being uncourted, and spend time together and communicate it, and seeing the red flags and be like, okay, let me go. God, is this who you want me to be with? Because I don't want to waste time. I don't time is too precious, but is this who, because marriage is not just about sex. Marriage is a ministry. Marriage is a, I've learned that through the 20 years of being married. Marriage is a ministry marriage. You cannot be selfish. It's going to, you're going to have to be selfless to be a wife and a mother, because a lot of times things you want to do are going to, going to have to go on a back burner. Okay. So infatuation. It says you you believe you found the perfect person and the perfect relationship, but that's an infatuation because you're two imperfect people. Nobody's perfect. Number two, you drop everything for them. You drop your dreams, your goal. We're talking about infatuation, ladies. You drop your dreams, your goals, and you just dry up and you just there. And... That's an infatuation because when you are courting, these should be things you talk about. You know, I have a dream. I have a goal of this. I want to do that. But a lot of times I'm learning a lot of the guys could care less about dreams or goals. Why would you want a man or better yet to marry a man or get in a relationship with a man that does not even have dreams and goals himself? First of all, how are you going to be the leader of my family? If you don't even, if God don't lead you, number one, if you ain't led by God, number one. And number two, you're not a follower of Christ, so you don't know how to follow and therefore you don't know how to lead. And so how are you going to lead me? That's questions. Red flags, lady. That's a a, a question you need to understand and know. So you drop everything for them. And, and, And you're infatuated with them, even though you see these red flags. Even though he's mean, even though he's angry at times, even though he calls you out of your name, why you are courting, you're not even married yet, but he's calling you out of your name. Those are red flags. Don't just throw it to the side. No, 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 no. You need to know this is a red flag. I remember, I'm going to give a short testimony of myself. I remember uh, when I had gotten saved and um, I went through two and a half years of Cleansing and purging and healing, God, healing from healing my heart because I was in for wrapped up and tied up in sin and fornication and everything else. I was a hot mess when I came to God and I said, Lord, I'll mess a man up right now. I'm not getting in a relationship. I'm not going to date. I'm not going to court. I'm not going to do any of that. And I remember saying it to God and I said, I'm going to wait on you because I, I'm not ready for a husband right now. I need to deal with me. So I went through two and a half years of just fasting and praying and, um, seeking the face of God. I didn't date. I chose not to date. I chose not to court. I just did not. I chose not to, because I didn't want to get my heart knitted to somebody else. And that wasn't who God had for me. And I didn't want to go. I was tired of going around in circles. And so I prayed, I said, God, I'm going to wait on you. And I remember going through two and a half years of purging and healing and deliverance and growing in the Lord. And I did not date. And I was at community college one um, at the time. And uh, when the guys found out that I was a Christian because they found out I was saved and I was a Christian and I didn't and I wasn't dating. So one of the guys came to me and he said, well, I'm a Christian. He said, "Um, I'm a a Christian um, guys. Well, he said, you know. And I just like to talk to you and get to know you. And I was like, you know what? That's a blessing that you're a Christian, young know I man. I said, that's a blessing. I said, but uh, you're not for me. And he was like, well, how do you know that? I said, because I know. I mean, if you was for me, then then the Holy Spirit, he would show me. And I would have some type of chem- something, chemistry or something would be there. I, I'm not attracted to you like that. And, and I'm not seeing it. I said, so no, nah, you're not for me. But I said, but praise God, stay in the fight, you know. And I remember hearing him one day, he didn't know I was coming around. I was walking past him and he was just cussing down. He was just talking this and saying that. And then when he looked up and saw me, he knew what he had told me. So he dropped his head like, you know, oh man, she heard me. But see, that's what the, that's what the devil would do. They find out this and then so the, so they'll try to come around. They'll tell you anything you want to hear to get you. But see, I was like, I'm not going, I'm going to hear from God. I got to know that I know. So that was like two and a half years before I had met, you know, My husband. So when God sent me, my husband, that's on down the line. That's in another segment. I'm not going to go into that. That takes too long. But anyway, I'm going to kind of wrap this up a little bit. Symptoms of infatuation. Number three, you become jealous and possessive. You don't want nobody else speaking to them. You don't want nobody else talking to them. All you can think about is them. They got your mind, your heart, your soul, your spirit. You can't even think about God. You can't even pray and read your word. You can't even obey God. All you thinking about is them. Why is infatuation dangerous? You don't see anything outside of them. All you feel is desire to be with them. When you get intoxicating feelings for someone, you miss out on some things that God has for you. Because you have to be whole. You have to be healed. You have to be delivered. That person cannot be your idol. You cannot put that person above God. So you have to be whole, healed, and delivered. And you have to have the relationship with God for yourself, then you can be whole. People say 50-50. No, it's a hundred, a hundred. It's a hundred, a hundred. The counterfeit becomes all the counterfeit always comes before the real. Remember that, ladies. The counterfeit always comes before the real. Dating, I'm just around. Courting, God, you lead and you guide me where you want me to go, what you want me to do. I'm gonna take my time and I'm gonna pray. When a man and woman doesn't have an individual relationship with God, they enter a relationship based on needs for like, I'm just, I I just need some sex or I need someone to hold me. I need this. I need that. No, you need to go to God you need to get hold by help by God. You need to grow in your relationship with God. And when God is ready, when you are ready, then God will give you a husband that will hold you, love you, honor you, respect you, do all of what, whatever you have need of in every area. God will send you that man that he have for you. But if you're an infatuated by a man, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to be wounded. You're going to be hurt. And you're going to continue that cycle. How can a man lead a woman if he's not led by first by God? Women are in a position to be pursued. You get so tired of being alone. That's another thing. When you're out there and you're like, well, I'm just so tired. You know, you singing, I agree. I'm so tired of being alone. I'm just so tired of being alone. And see, the devil hear you say that. And so he'll send a counterfeit. And then you will just get, he'll send you somebody. You'll get him. God ain't going to send him because you're not ready. But you get him. And then when you get them, you're going to get what you get. And because you were infatuated, you were led by lust. You were led by your, by your flesh and not by the spirit of God. Ladies, why would you allow man to cause you to commit fornication? When you know how God feels about fornication. Anytime a guy come to you, tell me, I'm a Christian. I'm love God. I'm this, I'm that. And then he tell you, we taking our relationship to the next level. No. If a man truly love God, he know what God feels about fornication. He's going to love God. So he's going to look at you and he's going to love you and honor you and respect you. And he will not touch you. He will not. He will not want to lay down with you. He would not want to degrade your body like that. He would not want to do anything against God and God's word. And when he marry you. I'm telling you from self-experience because my husband, when God sent me my husband, that was one of the first things he said, I'm not having sex with you until we are married because I want God to bless our union. And that was such a blessing because I wasn't going to let him do it anyway. But I'm just saying, that's a sign. If a man, well, I just want to have sex with you and you start having sex, you start getting soul ties. You start, you infatuated with him. God's nowhere in the picture. God's nowhere in sight. You're going to have a miserable, miserable life life a marriage and a relationship because so many women get in marriages like this because they won't be honest. They won't be honest. Look, I like you and everything, but I'm not sure if you who God have for me. I can't lay down with you like this and fornicate. I love God too much. I've been in a life of fornication when I was out there in the world. So, um, you're not the one for me. If you're trying to pressure me to have sex before marriage, you want to test the cookie or whatever they call it. You're not the one. You're not the one. Because God, God knows what you need. And God is going to send you who he have for you. And that man is going to love God. And therefore, he will love you, honor you, and respect you. Because guess what, ladies? And I say this all the time. You deserve it. You have to know that you deserve better. Don't settle for anything less. God is able to heal, deliver you and free you. We may have all been wrapped up in infatuation and lust and fornication, but God is a God that can heal, deliver, save, make you free, make you whole. He will purge you. He will cleanse you and he will bless you with a man of God that's after his heart. And he will know how to love you and honor you and respect you like Christ. The Bible says men love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He's not selfish. He selfless. And I thank, um, and I thank God, um, for my husband that I have, um, I'm ending this segment. Like I said before, if any of you all have any questions or anything, you can reach me on my email address. It's Lashanda, L-A-S-H-A-N-D-A Williams, W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S 907 at gmail.com. And, um, with any questions or any comments, um, if you would like prayer Or if you would like to speak with me, you can email me and I will get back with you. Um, I pray something that I said, bless you ladies. I pray that uh, this segment helped you to understand that you are somebody that you are valuable in God's sights. You are precious in the sight of God. Uh, you are fearfully and wonderfully made and you deserve God's best. He wants you to have his best. Um I pray. I'm praying for each and every last one of you all. And um I love you all in the name of Jesus Christ. And you all be blessed.